This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In many cases, the reason the star gathers the spotlight is because of that special teammate who is willing to sacrifice the personal gain of his own as the other basked in the glory. That certainly is part of the story as the countdown of the Oakland A's top 50 players continues at number 40 with outfielder Dwayne Murphy. Born in Merced, Murphy was a 15th round pick of the A's from high school in Lancaster, turning down a football scholarship at Arizona State to begin his pro career. Ten of his 12 years of the majors were with the Athletics, posting a pedestrian 246 batting average, but a more than respectable 356 on base. What made Dwayne so special was the idea that Ricky Henderson would be the band leader and Murph would gladly come along for the ride. Murphy batted second the majority of his time with the A's as Ricky was the most dangerous leadoff man in baseball. 493 of Henderson's MLB best 1,406 stolen bases came with Murphy by his side. Dwayne discussed that relationship and his understanding of the importance of his place in the lineup and what that meant for the man of steel. We had a good relationship. Ricky used to tell me to swing a lot, but there was reasons why I let him steal because it had benefited myself. And uh, but we had a good relationship off the field. Uh, Ricky's probably one of the greatest players I ever seen play. While Murphy certainly allowed Ricky the offensive spotlight, Murphy more than made a name for himself with the glove. From 1980 to 85, Dwayne captured six Gold Gloves, and while teamed with Ricky and left, and Tony Armas and right, formed arguably the best defensive outfield in the league something that Murph gets great pride from. Well, it was basically three center fielders that loved to go get the ball. Fortunately, I was the center fielder, and I was a ball hog, and I got to call those guys off. And I mean, we used to have so much fun. Uh, the whole thing was protecting our pitchers, giving our pitchers the confidence that we're going to catch any of the balls that are hit out there. And I think it made those guys pitch better. And I think when you sit there and play good defense behind guys, their confidence to throw strikes and their confidence to pitch elevates. So you're talking about three guys that put their heart into it, worked hard all the time, uh, helped each other all the time, and were proud to be, to be the guys that say, we're going to take every ball that we can get. And I tell you what, it paid off. No player at any position won more American League Gold Gloves in the 1980s than Dwayne Murphy. In fact, only Keith Hernandez, Ryan Sandberg, and Ozzie Smith exceeded Dwayne's decade total. Murphy had two especially productive years with the bat, driving in 94 in 1982 and blasting 33 home runs in the 84 campaign. In his one playoff season with the A's, 1981, he went 6-for-11 with a game-one home run off of Royals pitcher Dennis Leonard in the ALDS. Unselfish at the plate and dynamic with the glove, at number 40 on the top 50 Oakland countdown is outfielder Dwayne Murphy. In a pitching career that featured teammates like Ferguson Jenkins, Catfish Hunter, Vida Blue and Jim Palmer, 
our next entrant on the Oakland A's top 50 list, still managed to etch out a stellar career. In at number 39 is left-handed pitcher Ken Holtzman. Holtzman's resume already boasted two no-hitters and 80 wins on the north side of Chicago with the Cubs. He reached the majors at age 19 and pitched over 220 innings at age 20. But Ken more than made his mark in his four seasons with the green and gold. In fact, even with the star-studded rotation of the early 70s A's, Holtzman owns the distinction of starting game one of the World Series for the A's three-year run of excellence in 72, 73, and 74. Holtzman joined the A's prior to the 72 season in a deal from the Cubs, sending outfielder Rick Monday to Chicago, and in his four seasons with the A's, he averaged 270 innings pitched and 19 wins per year. He was a two-time American League All-Star with the A's and completed 54 games for the Athletics. He started games one, four, and seven in Oakland's first ever World Series as the A's toppled the Reds. And he always felt Dick Williams was the right man to manage the A's. I thought Dick was this, just an ultimate competitor. He cut your throat to win. I thought that uh, from a pitcher standpoint, I felt that he let Catfish and Vite and I kind of alone along with you. Never called the game so much. Might have called one pitch now and then, pitch out. But I, he let us have our own way, just pitch your own game get the ball over the plate, and uh, and I really like that. I mean, he kind of put the game in our hands. I also like the fact that that was the first year of the DH, uh, so we threw a lot of complete games. So in those days, obviously different from today, we were in there from start to finish. And uh, actually, I felt that that helped us toward the end of the season. I felt that by pitching a lot of complete games, I think I pitched close to 300 innings that year, but when it came into... Uh, into September and October into the postseason, I had my best stuff. And uh, if you'll remember the playoff game against Baltimore, I thought that I was fresh there and as I was in April, and I think pitching all those innings helped me. The following postseason, after a 21-win campaign and 297 innings, Holtzman pitched arguably the greatest postseason game in Oakland history, going the distance, beating Baltimore in an 11-inning, 2-1 thriller to win game three of the ALCS. Back to the World Series in 1974, and again, Holtzman led the charge against the Dodgers. In fact, he scored on a squeeze bunt from Burt Campanaris in Game 1 and delivered this in Game 4. That ball's hit well. It is carrying, and then he had a double last year in the series, a double against tonight is what the players call it here in Oakland. The players call home runs dingers now. In all, 77 of his 174 career wins came with Oakland. Six days before the 1976 opener, he and Reggie Jackson were traded to the Baltimore Orioles, ending his tenure in Oakland. But six postseason wins, including four and three World Series, are part of the reason he deserves placement on this list. At number 39, Kenny Holtzman. Throughout the five decades of Oakland baseball, few players have captured the imagination of the fan base with unbridled enthusiasm quite like the latest member of the Oakland Top 50 list. In at number 38, outfielder first baseman Nick Swisher. Swisher spent four of his 12-year major league career with the Athletics. He was part of the famous 2002 amateur draft that spawned the movie Moneyball as the A's top pick from Ohio State. As the son of a former Major League catcher, Steve Swisher, Nick had the ability to rise quickly through the A's system. Less than 200 minor league games would be all Nick would need before establishing himself with a 21-homer campaign in 2005. 
His infectious smile and bubbling personality meshed well with his all-out style in the outfield and at first base. A great fit to begin his career in the green and gold. Well, I guess just being the right place at the right time, man. Uh, I think for me it was um, it was the right place. Um, and, and Billy Bean saw something in me, so to be able to be part of it uh, and to be able to be a switch hitter leading this organization, like that's pretty cool. I never even thought about that. Uh, when I think about that, man, it's a, it's a proud feeling. And for myself, man, this green and gold, it's always going to mean something to me. And just to be able to be back with all these great players, man, it's like uh, it's an honor for all of us, no doubt. A switch hitter, an early magical moment came on June 26, 2005 against the San Francisco Giants. 1-0 pitch. Swung on, driven left field the other way. Alou going back at the track right down the line. Gone! Swisher goes the other way inside the foul pole right over the 330 mark down the left field line. And now the route is really on. Nine nothing athletics. Swung on, a long drive, left center field, gone for a whole month. Two pitches after being knocked into the dirt. Nick Swisher handles one over the wall in left center. And the A's have two more. He has two round trippers in the last two innings. Swisher's athleticism wasn't confined to both sides of the batter's box. He was also an adept defender at first base. He started 80 games at first and seven in the outfield in his most productive campaign of 2006, when he connected for 35 home runs, including this unusual clout on June 11th in New York. Here comes the pitch, fastball set in the air to left center. Gliding back is Damon, still going back over his head, reaches out and he collides with Cabrera on the track and the ball is free on the track. Swishers to third base and they're going to wave him home. He's coming around third. The relay by Cairo is going to be not in time. And inside the park home run for Nick Swisher. He drove in a run in the third game of the 06 ALDS versus Minnesota, helping the A's complete the sweep of that series. Swisher would go on to play for four other teams and amass 245 career home runs. But his start and the A's penchant for uncovering a new market efficiency began with number 38 on the A's top 50 list, Nick Swisher. Any list that includes 50 of anything will treat you to the reminder that success can come in all shapes and sizes. And while there are feats of greatness and even moments to shine, those who worked hard in the shadows of greatness have their place too. As is the case with number 37 on the Oakland All-Time 50 list, infielder Mike Gallego. It was never about the size of the dog in the fight with Gallego, but rather the size of the fight in the dog. His steadiness at second base and shortstop propelled the athletics to prominence in the late 80s and early 90s. Sure, there was McGuire and Canseco and Stu and Eck and others, but Gallego forged his path with consistency and the willingness to perform the jobs that contribute to success. Gallego explains the nature of those teams and his place on those clubs. Well, well Tony was you know, obviously a master at uh, dealing with his players daily. He found a way to touch each and every one of us or say something to each and every one of us every single day. Not just the, our big boys, not just our starting lineup, but the role players, the, the bullpen guys. Uh, he made them feel uh, important and part of this club. We've all felt that we had a role. He dealt with every one of us separately, differently. Uh, one of his ways with me was to make sure that uh, he knew I was angry every day. 
coming to the ballpark because I wasn't in the lineup. And he would ask me that. Are you, are you mad? I go, yeah. He goes, good. You play better that way. So I go, am I playing? He goes, no, you're not playing. Be ready in the ninth. You know, so, you know, he, he let us know what our roles were. And he let us police ourselves. And, uh, you know, he definitely made sure that we were prepared every single day. He averaged 144 games a season, moving around the infield for those Tony La Russa teams. In 1990, he led the American League with 17 sacrifice hits. Even with the power of McGuire, Canseco, Dave Henderson, and others, Gallego had his role too and proved that Larusa could count on him to deliver. Yes, the career batting average is only 239, but he appeared in 19 postseason games for the A's, and his biggest offensive contribution came in Game Four of the 1990 ALCS against the Boston Red Sox. And the pitch. Swung on, cracked high and deep to center. Burks has got a long run. He's not going to get there. It bounces up the center field wall. One run is in. Randolph is all the way around from first to score. And the A's lead by a score of three to nothing. And the smallest of the athletics hits the biggest shot of the inning. Mike Gallego on a 3-1 pitch. If you're concerned about what a new pitcher can do to a ball club, changing, shifting gears, I think Gallego just set everybody's mind at ease. He's got a fastball that he can handle. And so many times we have seen the outfield play shallow with Gallego to the plate. This one hit the warning track at center field. A man who knew his role, never afraid of the term utility player, and willing to do what was necessary to win. With 772 games played and three consecutive seasons of October baseball with the Athletics, he finds his way on the all-time top 50 list at number 37, infielder Mike Gallego. As the countdown marches on, the player is the only athletic on the list who was drafted as a position player but starred on the mound. In at number 36, left-handed reliever Sean Doolittle. Doolittle and the A's have had a long-standing relationship. While he went to high school in New Jersey and on to the University of Virginia where he was the first round pick in 2007 by the A's, his early years in an Air Force family included time in Northern California wearing A's gear with his brother Ryan, who too would be drafted by Oakland from great memories there to the top 50 list for Sean. It's really cool, it's a really special honor. The A's were the first baseball team I ever watched growing up. We had a season ticket package when I was a kid and when we used to make the drive from uh, the Valley over to Oakland and you know, as if it wasn't enough to get drafted by them and, and break into the big leagues with them, to be selected to that team by the fans is, um, it's a really big honor. It's tough to put into words because it's not all about, you know, the stats and what's on the back of my baseball card. I, I had a connection with the fans and for them to vote me in onto this team is really special. Doolittle had a smooth glove at first base and a power bat to boot, blasting 30 home runs in one minor league season in 2008. But a knee injury pushed him away from first and back to the mound where he performed in college. He made a meteoric rise through the A system, converting to the mound. In just 16 games and 25 innings pitching in the minors, Doolittle reached the majors on June 4, 2012, 
Kang three Texas hitters in an inning and a third. Quite a journey for Sean Doolittle. I took the scenic route, that's for sure. It was a frustrating few years there with dealing with the injuries, and then when I transitioned to pitching, I, I had no idea what to expect. I had no timeline for it. You know, I was just so excited to be off of the training table and on a team and not on the disabled list. And the 2012 year is still a blur, you know, starting in A-ball and being called up to Oakland by June. It's just an incredible journey and it's something that I think has given me a lot of perspective in my career and I definitely don't take a single day for granted, that's for sure. A memorable first save in the majors camp against the Yankees at the Coliseum on July 21st of that year. And the 3-2 on the way, swung out and it was a fastball by him. It's the first major league save for Doolittle. With a flourish, he strikes out the side. A workhorse down the stretch of that memorable 2012 season, Doolittle appeared in 16 games in the final month, including the finale against Texas. And Doolittle throws to Hamilton. Swat on it, missed. He strikes him out with a fastball on the outside corner at 96. And Doolittle blazes his way through the top of the eighth inning here at the Coliseum. Two years later, Doolittle will be one of seven All-Stars representing the Athletics at the All-Star Game. He was an All-Star off the field as well, supporting several veterans group charities and a strong voice for the LGBT community as one of the A's most popular stars and Roberto Clemente nominee. Six years with the A's before mid-season 2017 trade, plus three postseasons as well, riding the power of an exploding fastball, got this southpaw on the all-time top 50 list. At 36, left-handed reliever Sean Doolittle. It's a you-remember-where-you-were moment, September 4th, 2002, forever etched in Oakland baseball history. The next man on Oakland's top 50 list was part of the movie Making History. We want you to play first base for the Oakland A's. Okay, well, I've only ever played catcher. Scott, you're not a catcher anymore. If you were, our call wouldn't have been the only one you got when your contract expired. Yeah, hey, listen, no, I, I appreciate it. You're welcome. But the thing, the thing is, is uh, you don't know how to play first base. Scott? That's right. It's not that hard, Scott. Tell him, watch. It's incredibly hard. Hey, anything we're doing is, and we're going to teach you. Oh, it may not exactly have happened like that. January 2nd, 2002, when he signed a free agent contract with the A's, but in at number 35 is first baseman Scott Hatterberg. Hatterberg spent parts of seven seasons with the Boston Red Sox, the team that made him a first-round pick in 1991 before the A's came calling prior to 2002. From August 13th to September 4th of 2002, Oakland captured the imagination of all baseball with their march toward history. It's something Hatterberg recalls in conversation with another teammate. And I remember Dave Justice, we started a, it was a long road trip. I can't even remember how long. It might have been 10 days. You can't sweep a road trip if you don't win the first game. He said it, you win, we're superstitious. He says it again and again and again. Next thing you know, we swept this long road trip and headed back home. And you didn't think anything other than that we were just playing really good ball. But it was once you got 13, 14, you know, people started bringing signs, homemade, and they were, you know, more and more with each win that it took on some real momentum. You knew you were in some special times, and that's when I, I felt, not pressure, but that we were doing something special. Of course, to make history, you need drama, none of which existed on that September 9th, building an 11-0 lead with Tim Hudson pitching. But then, 
Suddenly in the ninth inning, Casey tied the game at 11 for Hatterberg's moment in time. Going up there, hitting a home run was the absolute furthest thing from my mind. I, I really wanted to get just get a ball up because it's so hard not to hit this ball in the dirt or just hit it in the ground. See it up, maybe hit a double, you know, get a guy in scoring position. And, man, I got in a good count. He left the ball up, and I just elevated it more than <laughs> I was expecting. I don't think I've ever hit a ball in the air that, uh, that well off of that guy. And shoot, it went out, man. Special times. Now the pitch. Swung on. There's a high drive. Hit way back. Right center field. That one is gone. And it's 20 consecutive victories for the Oakland Athletics on an unbelievable night when they lost an 11 to nothing lead. And now they win it. Hatterberg is bobbed at home plate. Crazy. Just plain crazy. As it turns out, during that 20-game winning streak for the Athletics, that would be the only home run that Hatterberg would hit during that stretch. At number 35 on Oakland's top 50 list is first baseman Scott Hatterberg. In today's game, the ability to play multiple positions on the diamond has created a new dynamic for rosters around baseball. You can make the case that this type of player found its beginnings with the Oakland A's of the 1980s. And that first super utility player is number 34 on our top 50 countdown, Tony Phillips. Swung on, there's a drive to right center field. It's a base hit. Tony was a first-round pick of Montreal back in 1978. From there, he was off to San Diego before being acquired by the A's in 1981 and making his Major League debut the following season. Half of his 18-year Major League career would be spent with the Athletics. And because the A's recognized his skill set, it gave him longevity. That's the reason I played so long, because I, I wasn't good at one position <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> That's when I became successful, when I moved around, and, and I owe that to Tony La Russa. You know, I could play the outfield, I could play the infield, so therefore they can carry another pitcher. They didn't have to carry an extra outfielder, so that made my value go up, and without that, I'd have been five or six years at the big leagues. On May 16, 1986, Phillips became the first Oakland A to accomplish a unique personal feat. Fly ball to right center field. Jim Dwyer on the move, and he can't come up with it. It'll roll all the way to the wall, but Griffin will score. Phillips is on his way to third. Let's see how they score that one. If it's a triple, it'll give him the cycle. Have to think it is. Dwyer ever got to the ball. That's a three-base hit for Tony Phillips, and he has just hit for the cycle. He is five for five. He has a single, in fact, two of them, a double, a triple, and a home run. What a night he's had at four RBIs. Phillips' talents continue to spark the A's as they embarked on their three-year run of postseason excellence. Looking back on the World Series winning year of 1989 for Phillips, started well before opening day. I remember the year before, Oral Hershey just struck me out for the last out. I saw that all winter, and to come back and, and have the last put out of the World Series is kind of like a redemption. So, you know, that last out, uh, you know, it was a great year, you know. Gosh, with the players we had, you could name, name them all. It was a great clubhouse. And there were, were a bunch of professionals, guys that called each other up on their boo-boo, and when guys wasn't pulling their weight, 
we let guys know that and that there is what I try to teach these kids you know it's, it's not a bad thing to call your teammate out that's been a good teammate for a feisty sometimes high strung player Tony Phillips received the greatest gift any ball player dreamed of with a chance to close out the World Series. Swung on bounce, off McGuire's glove. Phillips has it. Throws accurately in time. And the A's have won the World Series in a sweep. Gone too soon at age 56, but forever remembered by the Athletics. Number 34 on the countdown, super utility player Tony Phillips. Front office executives of every major league team constantly comb the rosters of their opposition from the very top to the lowest rungs of the minors. It's a scavenger hunt to improve their own organization in the ever-changing world of baseball. In the case of our countdown's next electee, the A's struck gold with number 33 on the list, Stephen Vogt. That simple transaction that altered the career of Vogt happened on April 6, 2012, when the A's bought Vogt from Tampa Bay. At that point, he had some decent minor league seasons, but an 0-for-25 ledger in the majors. And that changed with one swing on June 28, 2013 versus St. Louis at the Coliseum. Fastball pulled to deep right field, back toward the wall, and goodbye! Steven Boat's first big league hit is a home run. The pressure valve has been released. Well, it was uh, 33rd times a charm, 33rd at bat. You know, decided that, you know, maybe this is one of those things that it's just never going to happen. But um, sitting there with an 0-2 count, kind of stepped out of the box and said, hey, you know what? It can't get any worse. What's the worst that happens? Just relax, see the ball, and see what you can do. Unfortunately, he threw me a fastball right down the middle. Hit a home run there in the Coliseum and uh, don't really remember anything between first and third base. Uh, it's kind of like just this moment of sheer just happiness and joy and kind of surprise. But, you know, my Oakland A's teammates and family just kind of embraced me right away and... Uh, really felt welcome from day one in Oakland. Votes playing time at importance in Bob Melvin's lineup grew as the A's marched toward another AL West crown that year. He started all five games of their ALDS series versus Detroit, but of course, game two is pivotal in so many ways. To be catching Sonny in that kind of stage, you know, we came up through AAA that whole year together. We're up the second half of the year together. And, you know, he was going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the best pitcher in baseball at the time, Justin Verlander. And to have a, a rookie who's got two months of time go toe-for-toe, -toe, inning by inning with him was huge. And there was a few moments in that game that were bigger than the walk-off hit for me. And that was, you know, catching. A, the knock on me had always been catching. And so for me to be starting in a playoff game, had a big strike him out, throw him out to end the fifth inning. Runner goes, a 3-2 I'm out of miss, throw my vote, tag by Sogard, double play! Iglesias was running and he's nailed by Stephen Vogt, 2-4 on the play at second base. That was probably the biggest moment for me and then the walk-off hit obviously was very special. To watch the 50,000 fans at the Coliseum go nuts, that was awesome. And it swung on, line to left, base hit, and the A's have won it! Cespedes scores from third, a line drive, base hit to left by Stephen Vogt! Vote played five seasons for the A's and garnered back-to-back All-Star Game selections in 2015 and 16. And without question, 
a fan favorite. It was pretty incredible how the fans kind of just adopted me right away. You know, I had my first stint in Oakland in 13, and then when I came back in 14, played some right field. No offense to any other fan base out there, but the right field bleacher fans in Oakland are, are the best, and the left field bleacher fans are probably the second best in baseball. So they're just two great groups of fans. They get behind you, and they started the I Believe in Stephen Vogt chant when I was playing right field, and it just kind of stuck. And for almost three full years, every at-bat I had in the in the Coliseum, people were chanting I Believe in Stephen Vogt. And even on the road, Ace fans would show up they'd be chanting it and so I'm very thankful for the way that that started and it's been pretty cool. In at number 33, Stephen Vogt. One thing is certain about the A's top 50 group, it is pitching rich with 16 hurlers on the list and number 32 is no different with Sonny Gray. Gray was always undersized in stature but never in performance. A two-time high school state football champion as quarterback in Tennessee, top starter at Vanderbilt University, and the ace top pick in the 2011 draft. As it turns out, even in the volunteer state, Gray had green and gold knowledge. I had heard a lot about the organization. What comes to the forefront of that was the great pitchers that they've always had there. They were going to bring out the best in you as a person and as a pitcher. And to be in any type of list when you're talking about pitching in Oakland, is a really big you know, accomplishment and a big honor. So I loved my time there. Only 55 minor league starts and 303 innings were Sonny's development before his major league debut on July 10th, 2013 in Pittsburgh. Here's some interesting backstory from Sonny about that night. And in Oakland, they always did riddles. Everybody did riddles. They started doing a riddle, and, and they just called down and said, hey, get Sonny ready, he's going in. But, you know, me, I was more interested in that riddle. I'm sitting there warming up in between innings, and I'm about to go make my big league debut, and, you know, everyone's like, kind of, I don't know how this is going to go for this kid or whatever, but I'm on the bullpen mound, and, and no one really wanted to talk to me or do anything. And I looked back at all the bullpen guys, and I was like, hey, tell me the riddle. What's the riddle? Like, I'm trying to figure this thing out. And Sonny's pitch is a five-ball right field. Going back on it is Chris Young. He's midway on the track. He's there, and he makes the catch. And Sonny Gray with a one-two-three. Major League debut with two strikeouts. Fast forward to the postseason and the A's second consecutive ALDS against Detroit. And Sonny, after 12 games and five wins, was thrust into game two. 2-2 two -two pitch. Swing! And a miss up and away by Octane at 96 from Sonny Gray. And that finishes off Torrey Hunter. I think Sonny Gray will have a battle of intimidation with Torrey Hunter. Here it is. And it's swung on. Line to left. Base hit. And the A's have won it. the first moment in the big leagues where it's been like wow this is a pretty special it's a really really awesome place to play and to be but at the same time this is kind of what I, what I want to do and where I want to be and four or five days later I sat down in Bo Mills office and he told me I was throwing game five and fortunately we lost but it was I think when the organization put that much confidence in you at such an early age they kind of make it easy a lot easier for you to, to go out there and, and just kind of do your thing. The A's relied on Gray at the end of the 2014 season even with the acquisitions of John Lester and Jeff Samarja it was Gray's complete game shutout on the season's final day in Texas that saved the team and got them to the postseason for the third straight year. Here it is, and it's swung on a high drive left center field. Full going back. He's to the track, and he's right to the wall. He's there. He squeezes it, and the A's have won it. Three consecutive years in the postseason for the Oakland A's. Behind a sensational pitching performance 
A six-hit shutout by Sonny Gray. In at number 32, pitcher Sonny Gray. Baseball is all about streaks. Winning streaks and losing streaks, hitting streaks and much more. How about keeping a streak alive for three consecutive seasons? That's where our next electee onto the Oakland A's top 50 comes in. At number 31, shortstop Walt Weiss. Weiss was highly touted out of the University of North Carolina when the A's made him their top pick, 11th overall, in 1985. Two seasons later, a 16-game September audition, which included a 4-for-4 game against the Indians, that convinced the Athletics to trade veteran Alfredo Griffin and hand Weiss the job the following year. As the A's were getting better, success came from inside the system, with 1986 Rookie of the Year Jose Canseco and again in 87 with Mark McGuire. Could Weiss keep that streak alive? And the pick. There's a line drive. Diving brilliant stop. Weiss throws to second double play. What a great play by Weiss. Backhanded diving just above the ground and turns it into a 6-4 double play and the inning is over. Holy Toledo, the play of the trip. Weiss was smart enough to see the talent around him in green and gold and didn't want to mess up the growing mojo. Breaking in with uh, a lot of salty veterans that, that taught me how to play the game, I think the right way, playing for Tony La Russa. Also, uh, I think shortened the learning curve for me. You know, it was sink or swim. You know, we, we were a talented club, and had a, I was a rookie at shortstop, and I was expected to perform, and uh, you had to, or, 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 you know, I knew I was going to be gone, but uh, I wouldn't have had it any other way. I love, I love being with that group of guys, with this organization at that time. It was, it was a dream come true. Walt's steady glove was good enough around the power-laden veteran A's to keep the Rookie of the Year streak going, winning the 1988 award as the A's began their run of postseason excellence. It would take another decade for Oakland to win another Rookie of the Year title with Ben Grieve in 1998. While the 88 World Series was a disappointment, the A's returned the following season for the Bay Bridge Series with the Giants. On a team that featured the Bash brothers, Dave Henderson, Dave Parker, and Ricky Henderson, the slick fielding Weiss had one power trick up his sleeve in game one of the World Series against the Giants' Scott Gorelts. It was Weiss's only home run in 46 postseason games, 25 with Oakland. He was traded prior to the 93 campaign to the Florida Marlins, eventually went to Colorado and Atlanta, where he made one final World Series appearance against the Yankees. His style of play, much different than the two previous rookies of the year, that didn't phase Weiss as he did his part to extend the Oakland A's Rookie of the Year string to three. In at number 31, shortstop Walt Weiss. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 